Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. Choir Talks is our weekly podcast where you and I share some scripture from my personal time in the Word. You may be wondering why it's called Choir Talks when there's no choir. Well, this is scripture and a thought that I share with my choir, usually on Wednesday nights, but you don't have to be in choir to enjoy Choir Talks. It's really for anybody who just wants uh, to spend some time in the Word and just have a devotional thought for the day. Today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Um, this is actually something I'm not sharing with the choir tonight. Tonight in choir, we're going to have a special prayer time instead of a devotional time, but I didn't want you to miss a week, and honestly, I needed this chapter this week. I was going to share this chapter with a friend that I'm mentoring, I guess you would say, who is having a really hard week, and as I began to, to get this chapter ready to share with him, I began to have a hard week. Some of the things that have been on my prayer list for a long time are just not going well. And uh, so I needed to to remember to have endurance myself. And this, this chapter just began to come alive to me again. I hope that it will minister to you in the same way if, if there's something you're struggling with this week. So anyway, here it is, chapter 12 of Hebrews. It starts this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12 um, obviously comes after Hebrews chapter 11. So uh, since he starts with a therefore, let's get the context. Hebrews chapter 11 um, is a chapter totally devoted to uh, recounting faithful people from the Old Testament who lived lives of faith, who believed in God and, and entrusted their lives to God. They did amazing feats or uh, amazing things happened in their lives because of their faith. So the writer recounts all of those, and then he gets us to chapter 12, and he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So here's we start reading this. I just want you to know that um, the race that we are in is difficult, but you are not alone. You are not alone. Here in verse 1, it says we're surrounded by witnesses. We, uh, Our lives are not in a vacuum. This life of faith that we're called to, many have lived it before us. Paul says that we're surrounded by witnesses. He uses a race analogy here. That would have been a very familiar uh, analogy or picture in the minds of the people that he's writing to. Um, there were often races between city-states. The Olympics actually was uh, still a thing in his time period. And, um, and so the people would easily picture in their minds this great race where, where there's a grandstand full of people. And so uh, he, he likens our walk in Christ, the life we live of faith, to being a race. And so he starts this race by saying, Look around you. Look in these grandstands. You're surrounded by this great group of witnesses, all these heroes of the faith who have gone on before you and lived lives faithfully uh, for God. You're, you're not alone. Look around you. The word witnesses here, um, I used to picture as meaning that they are witnessing our lives, that they are uh, watching us from heaven. But 
I believe a better understanding is that they are really witnesses to our lives. They picture them in the grandstand, and when you look around at them, you see the people that have already won the medal, um, the people that by their lives are witnessing to us and saying, you can do it. I have been there where you are. I've been faithful and, and walked and fought the good fight and made it through. You can do it. Just their lives are calling out encouragement to us. Um, read chapter 11, or you probably have some, some people in your life, some people that, that from your past have been mentors to you, people who've poured into your life and have lived a faithful life. You're not alone. There are many examples, many uh, people that you can turn to and learn from their lives. So he says, look around you. But he also says, look at yourself. When, when you are going through this race, self-introspective is super important. So he says, um, let us throw off, look at ourselves. let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, so what are we supposed to throw off? It says everything that hinders. Um, so the picture here is that you know, our modern-day runners and athletes have the finest equipment in the world to train with. But even back then, there was training. Uh, they just didn't have the same equipment. They had a simpler version of that. And what they would do as runners is that they would strap weights onto their legs and ankles. And they would run with those to build up their leg muscles. Uh, so for race day, they would, would be strong and be fast. But you would never come to the race with your training weights strapped onto you. You would always throw, take, untie them and throw them off. You would never win. You would never be fast if you stayed with the training weights. So he says to us, um, lay aside everything uh, that hinders us. Those training weights are, are good for us. They're not bad things. So when we make application to our life, I think what he's saying to, to us or what we should see in this is that as we run this race, we need to look at ourselves and make sure that, that we are setting aside anything that is slowing us down in this race, this life of faith that God has called us to. It's probably not bad things here to think of. It is just the things that are not God's best, the things that um, maybe that we are doing and putting so much emphasis on that they are hindering us from doing what God's called us to do. Um, sometimes in my life, I've had to, I've realized about myself that I had to set aside uh, something. Uh, this is probably silly for somebody my age, but, you know, I used to really be a gamer. I used to love a particular uh, game. It was actually, it was NCAA uh, football game. And uh, I played online with people around the country, and I spent a lot of time doing that, got kind of sucked into doing that. And then at some point, I just realized, you know what? I'm spending too much time doing something that is not productive for the kingdom. And so I had to set that aside and uh, open up more time for what God's really called me to do. And, you know, in the time since I've done that, um, God, God has brought different things in my life to fill that time that are really productive. So um, throw off everything that that hinders and he says the sin that so easily besets us the sin um, that so easily entangles us is the word so uh, sin is like an entangling trap something that that as you're running gets twisted around your your legs and it is likely to make you fall sin is destructive 
sin knocks us off this the race that we are called to. It knocks us out of the, uh, accomplishing what God wants to accomplish in, in our lives. It entangles us. So he says, look at look at yourself. Is there are your weights still on? Is there something that is entangling you and keeping you from running? And if so, take those off. And then he says, uh, fix your eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So here you're not alone because not only do you have the example of the lives of other heroes of faith, but but you have a living example in Jesus Christ who lives with you. His spirit is in you. So he says, fix your eyes on him. Why is he an example of this race? I mean, he was he was the perfect God man, right? How can we draw from his experience when we're so fallible? Well, here's what we can learn. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just like us, Jesus was here on a mission from God the Father. He had a calling in his life, and, and he, in perfect obedience, carried out that mission that brought him to the cross. And just like us, he had to walk through something difficult that he, he didn't want in the flesh to do. You know, the night before he went to the cross, he said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And yet, he was obedient. Um, and so I think we can keep our eyes, eyes on Jesus and know that we've got to persevere like he did. But I love this phrase. It says, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that's really instructive, I think. Why did he go to something that was the most horrible death that he could possibly have, have come to in that time? He didn't have to go there. He pointed his face to Jerusalem, the gospel tells us, and intentionally went toward what would be his death. Here the word says that he did that because of the joy set before him. That's crazy. There's nothing joyful about the cross. There's nothing joyful about being nailed up there and and losing your, your lifeblood and, and uh, the hours of agony that he had to spend on that cross. But it doesn't say that the cross was joyful. He said, for uh, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So what is joyful here? It's not the death that he had to die. The joy is completing the mission, finishing the race that God had called him to run. The joy is, is you and me. Hebrews tells us that he endured that cross to bring many sons to glory. That's, that's you and me. He, he brought us salvation. There's joy in the mission and what God accomplishes through us. So Christ was willing to go through the agony of the cross for what would be accomplished by it. There's joy in accomplishing what God calls us, calls us to. So it says, verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and will not lose heart. Hey, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Jesus finished his race. All those heroes of the faith finished their race. Don't, don't grow weary. Don't give up. James chapter 1 um, says that, um, that we're all going to encounter various trials. It says this. That if um, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There's purpose in the difficulties that you walk through, the valleys that you walk through. God is able to use them all. Hebrews, uh, Romans 8, 28 tells us that, that God uses all things for our good. Uh, he is able to use any circumstance that you go through for your good. He is able to uh, create character in your life and help you grow uh, in Christ's likeness through all the things that you go through. So for the joy set before us, we go on. When life is difficult, Satan wants you to say, this, this proves that God doesn't love me, or this proves that God isn't there. But really the opposite is, the opposite is true. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses its son? It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens every son that he accepts. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. So, when we go through difficult things, uh, God uses that to discipline, to train us, just like a good father trains and disciplines his ch child through hardships. Uh, it's not proof that God doesn't love you. It's the opposite. It, it is proof that God does love you because you're his child. If you're ever in a restaurant and there's a bad kid there uh, somewhere in the restaurant, you don't go over and discipline them necessarily. But if it's your kid, you will. Why? Is it because you love them less? No, it's because they belong to you. They are your child, and because you love them, you want to see them grow and be all that they can be. Hey, today, maybe, um, maybe you're walking through a difficult time. Maybe you just need to endure. Maybe you need to see the joy of being obedient to the Father and to believe in faith that he is accomplishing something great through the difficulty that, that you're going through, something that, that maybe your flesh doesn't like, but your spirit is, is going to be better for in the end. Whatever you're going through today, fix your eyes on Jesus and follow him. Let me pray for you. Father, Lord, thank you for speaking to me this week in, in difficult situations, encouraging me and spurring me on, Father, helping me to have patience and endurance. And Father, for anyone else out there today who is, is struggling, Father, I pray that this scripture would, would encourage them, that through this scripture they would, would be reminded that you're a father to them, that you love them, that Jesus has accomplished, and that, that there are lives around them that are shouting encouragement to them, uh, that we can walk in faith, trust in you, believe in you. Father, for all the friends who are here, I ask you to give them faith for this journey we're on. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. I would love to have you join us here at church. Uh, Sunday morning at 1030, you can either join us here in the building at Ridgecrest or online with Facebook or YouTube. So we'd love to have you 1030 Sunday morning.